0: Hello, my name is Brian Martin and you are listening to episode one of season two of the Running Technique Tips podcast. And I'm now joined by my co-host from Sydney, Lisa Biffin. How are you going, Lisa?
1: Doing pretty well. I'm still very much in this uh relaxed state of mind. <laughs> Haven't quite found the enthusiasm to Start running yet? Um, and I haven't even got a plan. So that's how much I'm, oh I know. I. Do you know what was funny? I was swimming the other day, doing a few laps, and I started laughing to myself because I was like, I can't believe I've turned into Brian. My plan is to be unplanned. I never thought I'd <laughs> see the day. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm kind of shocked and horrified. Lisa doesn't have a plan. I, I um, don't, I don't, this does not compute. Who Who are you and I what have know, you done with Lisa?
1: I know. I, I'm, I'm not sure either, but I think it's a combination of after being away for so long, like coming back, settling back in. Um, I've been so busy at work. It's been a bit crazy, which I guess you imagine after having a fair bit of time off. And so, Every time I come home, it's like, oh, just the thought of having to sit down and think about anything else is in the too hard basket. So um, I've, I've been living like you at the moment, just unstructured and just seeing where the wind blows me.
0: I like it. This, this could be a, a, whole new, a whole new thing for you, turning over a new leaf, relaxed, unplanned, Lisa. Uh,
1: I'm not sure how long it will last, but um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. What about you? How are things going down your way?
0: Yeah things are, things are pretty good um I have uh, been doing a few things I have actually started running again um only modestly though I've just sort of been doing three or four days a week of walk running um I have been continuing the follow up on some of those kind of post marathon medical checkups that I was looking into ah uh, yeah so yeah got you know blood work and tests back and talk to the GP about that and
1: uh anything significant uh
0: yes and no there's no crazy um major things but um yeah my cholesterol is a little bit higher than it should be and um sort of surprisingly my um uh sugar's a bit up as well so um yeah Mm. that that one was a surprise because I really actually don't eat um much in the way of um uh, sweet stuff uh, so yeah Hang a stuff to work on don't there. you
1: eat like a basket of fruit every day
0: uh, fruit <laughs> yeah I suppose you could suppose you could count that in there um, but um yeah that's good right you know fruit fruit's good for you
1: <laughs> maybe not in the quantities you eat
0: it <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah maybe that could be a thing um and yeah they did a little bit of um uh, stress hormone testing and that and got those results back and they weren't too bad so i'm not in a state of complete you know adrenal um meltdown but Mm. um yeah things are working pretty well at the start of the day at the end of the day on the on that sort of um cortisol hormone front but not so good during the middle of the day so there's a big crash Mm. Um, so kind of getting out of bed all right which kind of rings true um and Getting off to sleep okay at the end of the day, but yeah, there's some stuff in the middle of the day, and, and um, yeah, some of my poor sleep has been sourced by um, getting off to sleep well, but then sort of waking up later on and not being able to get back to sleep. So there's a bit of stuff there that um, still working on, but um, yeah, generally things are improving on that front. Mm, that's
1: good. Good, it's great. Yeah,
0: yeah, but it's good to kind of get that that data, I suppose, to confirm that um, yeah they've. Not all well on all fronts, but um, equally no major disasters there to to worry about as well. So that was kind of reassuring. Um, what else have we been doing? Oh, I've been coaching Kira, so working on her running technique. So Kira, the eleven-year-old soccer player.
1: Yeah, and how's that been going? Um, so what? How many sessions now? Three.
0: Um, we are actually up to three. Yeah, just did did one yesterday. Um, so yeah, she's traveling really well and we can hear a little bit from her a little bit later. Um, what else has been going on? Oh, heaps. And I have started the, so we have, we are now in season one, see, sorry, season two, episode one, where we're looking at, um, 5k type training, but the other things we're going to talk about were kids' running technique and following Kira's journey along, but also I indicated that I was going to get some of my running technique uh, looked into. Mm. So um, uh, I did my first step into that during the week. So I went and saw Kevin Lieberthal. Um, from physio at Central Park um, in Melbourne in Melbourne, and uh, Kevin's the physiotherapist that we've had on a couple of times to talk about our um, our ITB syndrome woes and my old man calf and various other things. So, um, so yeah, did that process during the week as well, which which was really good. Um, so uh, yeah, I've got some stuff to work on running technique wise. So I figure that will be something that we'll be able to. Um, talk about probably over the next six weeks or so as I go through a bit of a remodel um, and the other thing that uh, happened on or other thing that I've sorted out during the week was actually to make a couple of appointments to see um, some people in Sydney so I'm booked in to have a little uh, little lesson and get some technique feedback from uh, the one and only Keith Bateman mm-hmm. who some people may be aware he's the uh, master's world record holder over a number of distances for the 55 plus age group he's one speedy guy he is a speedy machine um for a mature gentleman yeah. <laughs> well even in general actually yeah he <laughs> I, I think he's got a, yeah. <laughs> i think his 10k time for over 55 was like pretty close to 32 minutes or in that range which is just super fast so yeah, that's crazy um so yeah he's a running technique coach um uh, as well. And so, yeah, I'm going to have a session with him and I'm also going to catch up with Tom DeCanto, um, who's the sports podiatrist that we had on um, as well. Um, so, my, really my goal is to get like a broad range of feedback from different perspectives and different experts. And um, I think the benefit of that for me is going to be getting um, some different things from each of them that I, that I can work on. Um, and I think each of them will probably pick up um, something slightly different to each other given their various perspectives and backgrounds. So I think it will give me a more complete picture of um, what's going on with my running technique and what I can do about it Mm. to improve.
1: And like, why have you decided to do this because uh, i mean i know that the marathon ended up not yep. being the way that you wanted it to be but that wasn't necessarily technique and prior to that you were your sessions and everything were going really well so any reason why
0: yes the uh, look uh, the, the, i was progressing um, generally pretty well in training until I hit that little stress point three, three weeks out from the marathon and um, looked like my aerobic system got compromised. But having said that, I've kind of felt because I had that long break between when I did my original technique model back in 2008, 2009, and then ran really fast over 5k, um, for me at least, um, I did feel that after having a like Four years of really not running much And not much structured training That when I got back and started training for the marathons Which was a new thing for me That I kind of lost that um, bounce in my stride And possibly fallen into some bad habits um, And maybe regressed a little bit um, And although I was able to run reasonably well I, th- I feel like I had lost a little bit of um, speed At the various training intensities So um so, yeah, doing those sort of 1K type, 5K race pace intensity efforts, they were a bit slower than what I was doing before. Um, and, yeah, just generally felt that there was probably some things that weren't working as well as they could have been. I, I didn't feel like there was anything disastrous going on, but, yeah, just I just felt like it would be a good time to actually have a look, do a check-in, um, and then do a tune-up as necessary. Yeah. Um, mm. And as it turned out with um, uh, going and seeing Kevin, that there are definitely some things that are not working as well as they could be (laughs) and, um, yeah, some things that I do need to do um, to improve so did you want to talk quickly about that now
1: yeah no I think let's just get into it I'll, I'll say yeah. I haven't got anything exciting to talk about my week <laughs> either because I haven't been doing anything but... that's
0: true <laughs> well I, I want to hear about your um your uh, dietary woes and um, your your uh, tr- attempt to get off your sugar addiction later but yeah um... no
1: no we'll talk about that <laughs> later because training wise I've been a couch potato so that's okay. we, we don't need to uh, elaborate on the laziness that has been my <laughs> yes. couple of weeks so I'm yes, more yes. into Interested yes. in in technique and um, yes. I guess when you sort of decide to tweak it, if and why you decide to tweak yeah, it, and I that's guess right. how do you go about it? Because you know it's not necessarily like if you can run, that's great. Um, yep. And you know, I guess why, when, and how should you go about changing all these things?
0: Yeah, definitely. And look, yeah, for me, um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. So uh whilst i didn't sort of suffer any major injury um there yeah, my, my i guess my reasoning is probably um a to be able to kind of run a bit faster and more efficiently that's my sort of motivation for for looking at it in in this instance and look i did have a couple of niggles in in that sort of um marathon training block so the itb syndrome and then that little bit of um calf tightness that kind of popped up near the end of the campaign as well. So, I'm kind of mindful of those two things. Um, But generally, if you're training well and you're enjoying your running and um, you're not getting injured, then there's plenty of things that you can kind of look at to improve your performance before going to your running technique. Um, So, yeah, I wouldn't say everyone should be jumping into it and try and change their technique because there's so many things you can do training-wise to work on that. Um, and, and, you know, obviously I'm a bit of a running technique nerd having um, written a book about <laughs> about it. So I've got a kind of a, a curiosity factor about it. Um, and also I thought, um, to be perfectly honest, it would be interesting if I did need to do some changes to kind of talk about that on the podcast um, for anyone who um, was having – similar thoughts or perhaps needed to because they'd suffered an injury and, and so forth um, to look at their techniques. So, but the first first step really is, you know, is there a problem? So, you know, if you're injured, um, not enjoying your running, um, performing at nowhere near the levels that you think you might be capable of, then those for, might be reasons that you might consider it. Um, but the first step is to actually assess what's going on and getting a bit of a, bit of a baseline. So um, there's... I guess back when I was looking into this and doing some coaching um, in sort of 2009, 2010 uh, or 11 period, there was very few people actually offering gait analysis or running technique assessment kind Mm. of services.
1: Do you remember that? I don't know
0: about you, but it just seemed yeah it seems like now though that every man every man and woman and their dog dog is doing it
1: yeah. um these days so I think there's been such a boom in recreational running yeah. there was obviously that big push around that barefoot or yeah. uh, you know minimalist type of shoes and even just in the whole you know from the active wear space and then the the shoes and everything, I think it's just brought a really big awareness into mm. the space of running, and I guess then people become a little bit addicted and then they want to know how to improve and, um, you know, obviously there's – you see that the gyms have exploded, obviously people getting into strength work and then this um, technique assessment. So, um, you know, from a someone who loves running, I think it's a, an amazing time to be in.
0: Yeah, it is. And look, it it's good because now there's plenty of places that you can go to get someone to look at your technique. But the – and look, you know, you could see um, – uh, a pure biomechanics kind of person, and they're probably only usually access- accessible um, to people who are kind of in elite coaching scenarios. Um, but then you've got your um, uh, uh, your uh, professionals like physiotherapists or podiatrists um and others who offer that service um, which is a good thing and probably the advantage of going and seeing either your physio or your podiatrist if you've got an injury that sort of brought you to that conclusion is they can help manage your injury and have a look at your running at the same time Mm. Um, so i see that as being a positive thing um and i guess um you know if you are going to go and see a a podiatrist or a physio or one of those kind of professions to have a look at your running, it would be good to kind of see one who actually is a runner as well. Um, I just think a greater level of kind of insight um, and care and passion Mm. (laughs) for for the running, um, I think, and also probably then more knowledge of, of training, which can be such a factor in injuries when, you know, training load um, and intensity can be be a factor there. So, having your professional being aware of that can be good. Mm. Um, and equally, you know, you could go and see a running coach, which was essentially the perspective that I was coming from and, and someone like Keith Bateman as well, um, sort of coming from that perspective. Um, and, you know, that can be fine as well. And, you know, when I was doing it, you know, we'd often – kind of exchange a lot of information between sports doctor and physio and podiatrist about what was going on with runners if they were injured because, you know, I was always pretty cautious about um, what running or strength training that someone was able to do given their injury history. So if you are seeing a, a coach it might be, and you have an injury concern as well, it would be good to probably get your coach and your physiotherapist or whoever it is, sports doctor, exchanging information um so that your coach sort of doesn't go off half-cocked and get you doing things that you're um, uh, pre- not not predisposed to being able to handle from a an injury perspective so
1: yeah so i could yeah, not a, agree with that more having yeah. <laughs> have a lot of surgeries that relate to injuries yeah there's some exercises like jump squats cannot yeah. do yeah. ruin my knees ruin my hips all over
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um, so yeah no i agree with that
0: yeah um and so, yeah, and look, you know, a lot of um, uh, running coaches, particularly those who are kind of in the kind of sprints middle distance area, um, probably have a pretty good knowledge inherently of what good running looks like mm. and could coach that um, sufficiently without necessarily having to go and see a, a specialist. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I bet if I went and um, observed a number of different squads, I'd, I'd see those coaches making tiny little adjustments to their to their athletes. Um, but in the recreational scene, um, that's probably less likely that you're going to have the benefit of that, um, uh, because yeah, that you would you would necessarily be with a group that's um, going to the track and doing drills and doing faster work, and you know, with that that kind of perspective. So, yeah, it's a bit of a minefield out there. So, I, I think if I was sort of coming at it. Cold, um, it would be potentially quite confusing about you know where would you start if you if you needed to. So, so probably erring on the side of caution. Um, uh, if particularly if you're coming at it from an injury perspective, which most people probably are, um, doing your gait analysis with your um, with your physio or your podiatrist or or someone who's quite knowledgeable from that perspective would probably be. Um, Maybe the the lowest risk and best place to start, at least. Mm. So, because you um, ra-
1: did a whole book and even a website yep. on running technique, yep. um, injury aside, what were some other reasons that people came to you to consider changing their running technique?
0: Yeah, look, I think the performance thing is is a is a massive one. So people are quite interested in being able to run faster, and definitely, look, I came at it from. Personally, um, I came at it from getting injured and not being able to run as fast as I thought I was capable um, of doing. Um, So, for me, though, they're the kind of like the main two. Um, You're either getting injured um, and then you therefore can't run at all or you can't do the the load or intensity that you want to without getting injured. So, you kind of look at a a technical or, or your biomechanics to see if you can find any Explanation for why that's happening, um, and on the other front, you may just be thinking, "Well, I'm, I'm not getting injured, but I just can't move um, as quickly as I would like to." So, mm. so those two are the two of them, the main two.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: And yeah, just sort of from my own perspective, when I was trying to run fast over like five or ten k initially before I kind of did a remodel, I was just finding that I couldn't run much quicker than about four-minute K pace before I just felt like my technique was completely falling apart. Um, and, you know, you could just sort of feel the <laughs> feel the strain going through places um, where it probably shouldn't be. Um, so, yeah, for me, I was quite focused on um, A, resolving my injury woes, but B, being able to just move a little bit quicker so I could, you know, make that step to being able to feel more comfortable and in control um, running at three minute thirty kilometer pace, as opposed to you know maybe feeling comfortable in control at four minute kilometer pace or a little bit little bit over, mm. um, and I was able to do that. But but right now, if you told me to go out and run at three thirty kilometer pace, I think I would actually struggle a bit, <laughs> <laughs> um, th- even for that a makes short period. Two
1: of us, I think I don't even think I could do a stride at that pace at the moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and look, you know. Getting, to, getting back to going and seeing Kevin, he was really good because he started out by doing a couple of like little functional and strength assessment and stability tests, um, which again is a good thing because, you know, you might pick up the fact that, you know, you've got inflexible ankles or you've got no strength in your calves or, mm. you know, you can't do a single leg squat without falling over. So you might have some stability things that you might pick up um, at the Absolute get-go mm. um and then those things tend to kind of translate um into your into your running mechanics so kevin did all those sort of things with me before we actually got me running on the treadmill and, and kevin sort of filming my running technique mm. have you um, got that
1: footage so we can post it up
0: i, I do have some of that footage it's oh, going good. to take a little bit of editing <laughs> um, to, to get it into a state where i could post it post the video of it initially i'm going to sort of prioritize grabbing some audio out um, of some of the key interactions and the advice that kevin gave me after he'd had a look at my running so mm. um, i'll pull the audio out quickly um and yeah probably look to get the, the video It'll take me a little bit longer to edit because that's not necessarily my forte but <laughs> i should be able to get something um something out in the next few weeks to kind of complement this this ongoing discussion around running technique.
1: Yeah. Um, it's a really nice story. I'd love to see what you're looking like currently
0: Yes, and,
1: and where you end up. And I think, um, like, I'm a visual person, so I'm sure yeah. lots of listeners are the same as well. And, you know, whilst I understand the words and what you're saying, as soon yeah. as I see like the, the pictures or the, or the photographs, it all comes together and makes sense. And I'm sure there's a lot of other people yes. out there as well. So, um, it'll be an interesting little study.
0: It, yeah, it will be. And look, if even if you want to have a look at what my running technique looked like back in two thousand and eight, um, I've kind of regressed a bit back towards what I was doing um, before, which is probably not any, not not a giant surprise. It is easy to kind of regress back into habits that you had um, previously. So the the kind of the main things that. Um, and, and those videos are actually posted up on the runningtechniquebook.com website. So, I did put up some some video of my sort of before and after um, uh, kind of shots from, well, this is what my technique looked like before I did some work on it. And then I had some video of me running afterwards as well. So, you can kind of get up to the story so far, which was me not moving so well, being a pretty big, massive overstrider. Um and, um, yeah, you can then see where I was looking a bit more kind of dynamic and bouncy and removing a little bit better um and once I get these new videos up, you'll see that I've kind of regressed backwards a little bit, so the things that Kevin picked up were, yeah, there was a slight slightly over um but that wasn't like a a massive concern, and look that that kind of rings true with my. How I felt when I was running, and the fact that I didn't really kind of suffer any major major injuries, just sort of more niggles. Um, so that was one thing that that Kevin picked up. Um, uh, he did note that um, in association with my, and you know, we talked about foot strike um, a little bit. Um, I'm probably naturally in the um, heel striking fraternity, and um, but Kevin did note that my ankle dorsiflexion which is essentially um uh, how how if you look at someone running and you go oh you're a heel striker if someone's got their toes pointed up quite to quite an extreme level um that would be you know a large dorsiflexion so mine was a bit more than average according to kind of some of kevin's benchmarks that he was looking at so it does look um like my toes are pointing up in the air at that kind of initial contact point um Kevin wasn't super worried about that and I'm not super worried about it either because I think um, some of the other things that I'm going to work on will kind of self-correct that. So that one's almost a symptomatic of um, Mm. uh, some other things that are not working as well as they could. Mm. Um, And in that regard, um, the other thing that he observed was uh, I'd gone back to having that very low kind of back kick and um, so, my leg is quite a long lever um, when it's kind of swinging forward um, and, uh, you know, obviously that's kind of inefficient because a, a shorter lever is going to be able to be kind of recovered quicker um, and, yeah, that kind of pattern can lead you to potentially overstriding um a little bit as well, and perhaps not activating, you know, glutes, hamstrings as well as what you may like to be doing. Um, So that was something that he picked up. um, And probably the two ones where um, I really got um, some things that I wouldn't have necessarily... Um, picked up if I'd just looked at it by myself so obviously one of these the good things about getting someone else to look at you and give you feedback is they'll pick up things that you would just miss um or that you're blind to so Kevin um he, he picked up like my weird lurch charms, which on the one gonna, hand wasn't uh, yeah. surprising
1: because <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I wanted to ask about the lurch arms but I like, oh, <laughs> I'll let you get to it first <laughs> yes um
0: and look on the one hand that wasn't surprising and I was like yeah that that's right um my arms are, uh, are weird and my right arm in particular has a tendency to kind of straighten out um, and get really kind of low and lurchy. Um, but the thing that Kevin picked up was that that was actually happening quite early um, in the arm kind of before it was starting to swing back. So, it was almost like my arm was straightening before it was swinging back and that was actually throwing me off balance um, and you could kind of see that once he pointed it out to me. So, so that was a really good pickup um, and something that I, I need to – now, sort of probably take my arm swing uh, more seriously as a, a technical thing that I need to work out, work on. Um, and the other one that he pointed out, which you know had talked about, I felt like I'd lost that bit of spring and pop in my stride. Was yeah, um, yeah just that kind of lack of um, uh, stiffness, especially around the kind of knee joint so do you think that's a
1: result of the marathon and the marathon training because i'm feeling exactly the same even after this four weeks break like i just yeah i I take a step and i feel like i'm just i don't know i can't even describe it like i'm i don't know just a lead kind of balloon
0: (laughs) yeah look it it could be um and certainly in the marathon you obviously don't do as much um, speed work and other things which might help you kind of uh, recruit and activate, um, you know, all of the muscles that, that go to forming a nice sort of um, stiff and bouncy kind of um, support and extension chain there. So for me it was kind of evident in the fact that um, when I was sort of in that sort of support phase with all of my body weight um, over the top of my, you know, hips and knees and ankles, that my knee flex was, you know, really quite l- a little bit larger than what you might expect during, during that phase in the running. So, um, for me, if I can get my um, hamstrings especially um, activating a bit more um, and strengthen them up, um, I'll probably be able to maintain a little bit more stiffness, um, which will give me a little bit more more bounce um, and probably return a bit more free energy, which is really what you what you want um, out of that phase of the running. So, so yeah, that were the kind of the, the two big ones. Um, and you yeah, know, the things about you know the heel strike and the slide over stride, and the other thing, you know, lowish cadence, which again wasn't super surprising because I can get a bit ploddy. Those <laughs> things are, those things are kind of might more symptomatic of other stuff that was going on. So. Um, I think if I can get that that pop back in my stride um, and so, yeah, going to the things I'm actually going to do or think about doing based on what um, Kevin's picked up are definitely working on my arms. So doing some drills, holding some light dumbbells, um, looking in the mirror and just getting my arms going okay. back and forth yep. um, without having um, my elbows breaking um, and my arms straightening. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing I'm going to be doing, um, which – uh, is yeah, you know, you're probably familiar with the kind of the butt kick running drill. Oh yes,
1: um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which
0: is one, which is one where you're really kicking up your heels behind you and trying to kick yourself in your bum. And to do that, you've got to really um, activate your hamstrings quite a lot. Um, and the consequence of doing that that drill for me will be yeah, a Getting hamstrings going, but B potentially getting my landing in a position which is a little bit closer um, to my body, um, and also landing with a bit more stiffness. Um, so I've been playing around with that on my walk runs, and it feels a lot better. I must a bit. Um, I do feel a bit more bouncy um, after I do that. Do mm. that drill. Yeah. So that's one to do, and the other big obvious elephant in the room which we've spoken about a little bit is really cracking back into the the strength training Mm. um and not just you know kind of the body weight stability stuff which i've been doing like the you know the bridging and the body weight squats and that kind of thing i'm gonna get back into the gym and lift some heavy stuff so um that will definitely help um in kind of um getting that uh Uh, getting that little bit of muscle stiffness um back into and bounce back into my stride so um yeah i've joined the gym um and i'll be probably after we finish recording i'm going to be heading off down there to um reacquaint myself with some some barbells and uh lift some heavy stuff so so yeah they're the kind of the the big the big three really working on my arms um Working on those butt kicks um, and getting into the gym, so yeah, th- and so, that's that's enough. Like that's enough for me to probably work on at the moment.
1: So my question here is: mm-hmm. You're doing all of these sorts of things. What about the running? Are you going to be running much during this phase, or is it let's just get the the technique element and the strength sorted, and we'll revisit running in a
0: handful of weeks? Yeah. So the key thing here is uh, running needs to be dialed back really significantly if you're doing any kind of running technique um, rebuild. And so my initial plan through this kind of six-week period leading up to Christmas was to um, do a couple of weeks of uh, walk running and then just start building up my base again. Mm. But now that I've confirmed that I've got some technique stuff that I need to work on, I'm pretty much going to lock into doing six weeks of um very low volume um, and intensity walk running um, where I'm just focusing on technique. So what what that's going to translate to volume wise is probably, um, I'll probably run four to five days a week, um, but they'll be like half hour to 40 minute walk run um, sessions. Um, I won't be doing any kind of unbroken running in the foreseeable future until I feel quite comfortable with um, these kind of, uh, back to the future changes that I'm that I'm implementing um, to get moving a little bit better. So yeah, once I feel comfortable that I'm moving well, um, you know, then I can look at doing some unbroken running. Um, but that's going to probably take a few weeks now to kind of bed these changes down. Mm. And obviously, no racing. Um, and this whole process really, one, even even once I start running again, it's probably going to then take at least another six weeks or so to um, to build up. A volume of running um to even kind of consider racing so so i think my i think i was initially thinking i might race in february but yeah. i think that might come back now to march um but i'll kind of revisit that depending on how well i'm going um, i'm kind of hoping since i've been through this before that once i wake my body up again that'll it kind of slot back into a better movement pattern maybe a little bit quicker than the first time around but i'm not banking on that i'm, I'm I'm probably thinking that it's probably going to take me about twelve weeks to be in a position where I could do a shorter race, like a like a three k, five k. After that period, I wouldn't be entertaining the thought of doing like a ten k, half marathon, or marathon. Um, I need a, a a lot longer to kind of bed those changes in, and you know, you've got to get fit moving in a different way Um, you're using different muscles um, you're putting different loads on your body so you've really got to let yourself um, have a long period to adapt to that so i'm going to be quite conservative um, uh, in approaching any any racing i mean particularly longer racing so um, i have to be a bit careful about that
1: yeah i do i remember when we tweaked my technique Gosh, it, it would be 10 years ago now, I reckon. <laughs> uh, close almost, to. <laughs> maybe not quite 10, but close enough, maybe at least eight. And uh, I was going through that period of um, really heavy work, big job, and so there, I wasn't really running. But I remember I can actually still remember the first couple of runs and I did them with you and I felt like I was a newborn Bambi. It was the yeah. most – Ah, oh, it was the most – uncomfortable, ridiculous feeling. And I remember going for a couple of runs and I don't think I was doing more than say 10 minutes at a time with this new sort of technique. And I didn't really have some major changes. There were just a few small tweaks. And I remember thinking, people must think I look ridiculous. Like I felt like I was just a completely different person who didn't know how to run. But, you know, that was all in my head because I was changing, I guess, you know, patterns of what I was so used to after however many years and from an outsider's perspective I probably looked much better than what I had how I'd been running but it felt so foreign to me um and it took I can't remember but it certainly took a while and um now if I was to revert back to how I was running I could tell you immediately that I was um, running incorrectly yeah Um, so it's funny like it it definitely works but you've got to commit to it so you know like mm. you are now I wasn't racing I wasn't training for anything um, and I was prepared to take the time invest in this change and you know my change was that having been a ballerina for whatever reason I ran like I was a ballerina it was as if I was doing split jumps through the air <laughs> I'm not sure if you remember
0: <laughs> I do um, yes you're and- probably probably one of the towiest runners that, yes. um, that I've seen
1: my heel didn't even get my in fact my midfoot didn't even get close to the ground it was just ran all on my toes It didn't even matter if I was running for you know 90 minutes it was all on the toes and I mean you talk about overstriding I think I take the medal for the biggest overstrider <laughs> ever it was just this beautiful glide that just you know slowly and I think I remember we did um, my cadence what was my cadence and it ended up being I don't even think I hit 170 to be, yeah, <laughs> if I, I remember. You are
0: pretty long and you are a bit long and lope, long and lopey, but you're, you're interesting because, you know, a lot of people say, you know, if you just change your foot strike, um, that will stop you overstriding, but you were, you were a four foot. Um, over strider. so <laughs> you know that kind of basically, um, it'd be a counter argument to the fact that just changing your foot strike around would like fix all of your problems,
1: yeah, yeah. So, um, but I really enjoyed the, the the process, and I think that's when I really started to get into running technique as well. So, if it's something that you're looking into, it's not going to be an overnight change, you have to invest in it, um, and in I think you know, understand the theory behind it too, that's relevant to you. So, um, you know, that that was what was interesting for me, you know, having done all those years of ballet and, yeah. you know, that didn't translate very well to a, a quality running style.
0: Yeah. And look, you know, reiterate what I said earlier, if, if yours ain't broke, don't fix it because yeah. <laughs> it's a fairly um, challenging process and you've probably got to have the right personality and or the support around you when you're making that change because if, if you aren't the kind of person who can, like, dedicate to it and really get into it and um, manage that process yourself then if you are going to do it you probably want to do it with with your, the support of your coach or your physio or your podiatrist or whoever it is that you went to see um, to do that you'll need some regular check-ins along the way mm. um, to make sure that you're implementing um, as intended because um, it's pretty easy to go off track and, and look I'm a perfect example of that I've, <laughs> I've got a lot of knowledge but I just went back into my running without kind of thinking about it and got into some bad habits again. And, yeah, once once I started training for the marathon, I just probably embedded those mm. um, with week after week of um, running those, you know, 60 to 80K weeks. And uh, then there I am. I'm kind of – I'm not back at square one because I, I guess one pleasing thing was um, when we're kind of looking at the perspective of me from the front and the rear, I was still pretty stable um, and uh, – Initially, when I started out, because I had I had no glutes, (laughs) had no bum, Um, (laughs) bum I was kind of all I was all over the place, which was contributing to my um, injury woes. Um, so I'm, I'm relatively stable, but I'm a bit slow and plotty, um, and a little bit overstridy. So, um, yeah, I've got some things to work on, but, um, it's not a, it's not a complete regression or a disaster. So, um, so at least that was pleasing.
1: Mm. Hey, can I just talk about the drills for a couple mm-hmm. of minutes? Mm-hmm. And I love drills and it's something that I definitely let go in the marathon phase but I, I'm not sure whether it's a distance runner thing whether or not um, you know a lot of runners think oh drills are for sprinters or drills are for team sports mm-hmm. I, I, so how do we change that mentality because I think drills help distance runners just as much as they help you know the the team sports and the sprinters because when I have taken the time, Especially if I'm doing a track session, and I've taken the time, and I do, you know, it might even only be five minutes of drills. Um, I find that I perform much better in that session than when I do, you know, an extra long warm up and a handful of strides and get straight into it. I don't know what your thoughts are around that.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's really valuable, and it gets back to this idea of that the drills are kind. Most of the drills are an exaggeration. Of what you would want to do um, when you're running with good technique. Um, so, a combination of doing the drills and maybe even doing um, some body weight strength um, maneuvers is part of your warm up. Like, you know, you could do a set of squats or something like that um, and do some drills. It just kind of helps get all the muscles that you want to be recruiting when you're running um, up and firing. Um, so, like, if you're using that kind of a march a skip drill that's kind of like an ex- an exaggerated um uh an, ex- an exaggerated moving movement pattern that is similar to running so you're really emphasizing getting getting your, your glutes and hammy switched on and putting some force through the ground and then you know recovering your knee and getting that up but it's all it's all kind of silly walking it's a bit monty python <laughs> where, <laughs> where if you looked at someone doing it you go that doesn't look like running but if yeah. you kind of Look a bit, look a bit deeper. You're kind of just doing movement patterns, but an exaggeration. Um, and that butt kick one for me is like that's a perfect example because I'm not getting that kind of activation happening in my running, and it's really evident with that low um, carriage of my leg when it's swinging back forward. So you know, I'd be tripping over things if I, if there was any obstacle in front of me. Um, <laughs> so for me, get it doing that drill, and then and I've actually been doing it. In between my walk run segments which is kind of a good thing to do so run for a couple of minutes and then walk for a bit um do the butt kick drill and then just get back into to running that it it actually feels like things are i'm landing in a better position and um uh, my hamstrings are activating a bit more because I did that kind of exaggerated movement pattern beforehand. Yeah. So, I, so think, I think that's I'd, where the benefit is.
1: Yeah, and I'd like us to get some videos and we might actually even just delve deeper into drills specifically on one episode because just on that butt kick exercise, so that is something that, um, you know, flicking your your heels up to your backside was, I guess, a, a movement that I used to do um, in dancing but – The dance version versus the one that's good for your running technique are totally different. So I had spent all these years doing, you know, I know how to do the butt kick drill. And I looked like I was a kangaroo, basically like, you know, skipping high in the air and these perfectly pointed toes to my backside. And uh, when I moved up here to Sydney and was, was doing the drills, um, our, actually our coach's wife, who was an excellent, amazing middle distance runner, yeah. um, has got an amazing eye for technique. And so she took me how to through the drills properly and I was doing the butt kick drill completely wrong. Um, I wasn't activating my glutes and I wasn't, um, you know, trying to get that quick turnover and getting yep. the foot drive back to the ground. You know, I was, again, spending too much time in the air. It looked beautiful.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and that's And it had
1: true. absolutely no relevance um, to the running. It, it had relevance if I wanted to go back to being the over yep. overstrider. Yes. But zero relevance to what, you know, you, What well, most people are trying to gain out of changing that technique is fast, efficient, um, you know, powerful steps. So, yeah. uh, I think we should probably you know, drill down on these even further and then get some visuals up for listeners because if you execute yeah. these correctly, you're going to have some great results.
0: Yes. And look, as it, as it happens, I did actually write a little book um, called Running Form Drills. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect time to plug that. Um, so, that's an ebook that's available and all of the resources that went that are actually on the Running Technique Tips website. Um, so I'll put those in the show notes so people can kind of click across Um, and I actually got um, uh, Mark Gorski who um, was doing a lot of the coaching with me at the time and he's a he's actually a former elite 1500 meter runner so I didn't really want to put me up doing drills because very probably exactly the reason that you just described Um, I'm not the greatest mover and I'm not very well coordinated so I've always been pretty cautious about putting myself forward as like a a good model for running or doing drills so I got Mark to run through them because he would have spent you know 10 or 15 years doing those drills habitually being being a middle distance runner. Yeah um, and Mark
1: is a good mover.
0: He is a good well yes he he ran under 3 minutes 40 for 1,500 metres, so he's a very good mover. Um, And he had some great coaches as well. Like he was coached by Kathy Freeman's coach, um, Peter Fortune, Fortune. uh, early on. Um, So, yeah, I've no doubt that, you know, like the experience you had when you had um, your coach's wife, kind of correct your drills he would have had heaps of that kind of coaching Mm. um when he was when he was a junior and all the way through into his senior running career as well so the videos on that website are actually of mark not of me (laughs) which is probably a relief um and yeah having a look at that as a as a model and look you know you're not you're not gonna if you're like me which is most people if you're an average average runner average mover you're probably not going to be able to look like that um, because you have to recognise you're looking someone with, um, you know, really long background at high performance athletics. Um, So I guess the goal isn't to look like an elite athlete when you're running or when you're doing drills, but to kind of take away some of the key things from those models of good movement patterns and try and implement them as as best you can. But, Mm. you know. We're not going to be perfect. I'm never going to look like that and I just have to accept it.
1: <laughs> oh, very good. So what's the next step for your technique? So you saw yep. Um, Kevin. Yep. You've got some takeaways from that uh, and now you're coming up to Sydney.
0: Yeah, so Sydney next week. Um, so i uh, going to catch up with um, Keith Bateman and Tom DeCanto when I'm in Sydney. Um, and, again, that will be really interesting. So... Keith from the um, running coaching perspective, and also you know people would be aware if they followed his work. He's a he's a really strong advocate for um, barefoot running, um, and you know I'm I'm I'm, I'm happy with that. There are some benefits with barefoot running, but I'm probably not into it quite as much as what um, what Keith is. Um, so it'll be interesting to get that sort of perspective from um, a coach. Coach perspective, and also someone who's coming at it from that sort of barefoot slash minimal movement perspective. Um, and Keith's got a um, got a running technique uh, coaching book as well. Um, it's called Older Yet Faster, which is <laughs> that's my dream, right? <laughs>
1: well Well, we're all aging aren't we so
0: (laughs) that's right maybe i maybe i can get back and capture that former glory lisa from my my mid-30s and
1: no i think you can i mean well keith is a perfect example of it so and and he's another decade or maybe more older than you he is yes
0: yes. he's got a few years on me and also quite a bit of speed on me as well (laughs) (laughs) um so i think that'll be interesting and um and then also seeing tom as well so he's a podiatrist so I bet he's going to pick up things from a like a lower limb foot perspective, yep. um, and you know, obviously Tom as well is a is a very good runner, and will have um, some things from a, a coaching and, and running perspective that he'll be able to bring to the table in addition to his his formal sort of sports podiatry kind of background and training as well. So, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to getting those different perspectives. Um, and seeing um, what I can do with the with the feedback that that I get from them, so yeah, it's kind of exciting actually.
1: Mm. So does this mean that your um, sort of plan that you had penned is mm-hmm. now basically out the window, and any of the races that you had targeted in sort of early two thousand and nineteen are now off the table?
0: Yeah, look, I, I think. As I was saying, I, I thought I might be able to get into a race by February, but I think that's probably a bit ambitious now. Um, it'll depend on how it's going, but I, I think probably by March, and you and I were looking at a couple of races that were in March that we mm. might be able to do in the kind of 5K range. Um, yeah, that might be more kind of realistic for me at this point given I'm, I'm doing a bit of a technique rebuild. I don't want to rush into it.
1: Mm, yeah, well, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, plenty of time. Well, it goes to for your 2019 resolution of um plan to have no plan.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, you know, if I if I'd gone and seen Kevin and had a look at the video and got his feedback, and he said, "Look, everything's fine," then maybe I would have gone back to the initial plan. But yeah, I just mm. yeah, I, I'm looking at it. I'm I'm not happy with the way that I'm moving. Um, so yeah, now's the time to. To spend a bit of time doing that and uh, yeah I I think it will be useful for the listeners as well just to kind of follow along with that journey and um the first time around I probably didn't capture the process in that much detail so it'll be nice to have a record of that on the podcast and with the various videos and other things that I'll be capturing along the way
1: Mm. Yeah, very good. I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be an exciting little project for you and also the listeners. So um, yeah, by all means, get in contact as well if you're curious as to how to start your own technique journey um, or if it's something you've been thinking about and not entirely sure how to go about it. So um,
0: yeah,
1: send through an email.
0: That's true. And look, just getting back to the Kira project. So yeah, Kira is the daughter of one of my friends. Um, she's a keen soccer player um, and, yeah, she's had she's had three lessons now and she's moving really well. Like I can gu- guarantee you she is moving much, much better than what I am. So, <laughs> um, Kira has made significant progress. So, I've actually got a, a little bit of audio that I might just play for you now. This is just me checking in with Kira um, in week two. So, Kira, we're back for week number two. Um, How's the last week been for you? It's
1: been good. I've been doing all the practices and exercises, and that's sort of helped.
0: Excellent. So, what have you actually been doing?
1: I've been doing the bridging and the A-march and some skipping.
0: That sounds pretty good. Um, And have you noticed, um, uh, like, any changes? Do you feel like you're running differently?
1: Yeah, I think my... I have more skip when I run, so I come off the ground a lot better.
0: Excellent. Like leaving the ground um, in running is definitely, that is one of the things we want to be able to do. So the more you can leave the ground, um, that means longer strides and running faster. Yeah. Pretty good, huh? (laughs) So there's Kira. She's making really good progress and... She's got more skip in her stride and she's leaving the ground, which is <laughs> pretty awesome. That's exactly what I want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say she's had three lessons and she's nearly nailed it. And you're planning out 12 weeks. <laughs>
0: I know, I know. But as I think, as we've mentioned, kids are a lot more um, uh, adaptable. They've got that neuroplasticity thing going on. And yeah, you show them a concept and they can just pick it up. Um, really quickly, um, and Kira's been dedicated she 's during the week she 's been doing a few little exercises and practicing a couple of the drills and when she goes and soccer practice or acrobatics and she 's running around she 's practicing some of those things um, mm-hmm. that we tried, so she's making great progress and When I get around to editing some of the video together, I think people will be really surprised um, at the um, the level of progress um, and how quickly that happened and, and look, for me now from a, a coaching perspective, I have to be really cautious and I, I probably did this a little bit um, when I saw her last night of now overcoaching her because it's pretty, what she's doing is now pretty good. So... Um, I've got I have to be. I've got to still give her a couple of little things to work on. Um, Kira has to work on her arms as well, so that was something that we played <laughs> King played King around with. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm still doing a little bit of tweaking, but now the pattern, the movement pattern, looks really good. Um, looks really dynamic. She's moving a lot faster. Um, so yeah, I have to be cautious now about overdoing it. So probably what we're going to be doing for the next three weeks is just more. Actual running when we're when we're catching up and just making really minor adjustments rather than kind of over overdoing it at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to find a hill, a nice gentle hill. I've got got a, a dad going, having a look for a hill close to home that we can um, do a little bit of stuff there because um, that's something that you'd the hill you don't have to think about too hard, but it has a lot of benefits for your technique in terms of um, strength and um, getting getting that posterior chain activate, activated but I'm probably not going to say to Kira, I want you to activate your posterior chain. I'm going to say like, run up this hill fast and and that'll just kind of kick in and happen automatically. Um,
1: yeah, no, a good good idea.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's interesting but I, I think it'd be very easy to kind of overcoach um, children when you're working on technique and probably once you've got them moving pretty well it's then more about probably training rather than um, too much um, technique tweaking
1: Mm, yeah oh you've got lots of little technique projects on under the wing at the moment
0: yeah that's right (laughs) yeah so what about you how is your um uh your sugar detox going
1: yeah, so I'm not tweaking my technique, I'm tweaking my, my diet. And uh, do you know what, it's going really, really well. So I'd mentioned last week that I'd started the MAF two-week test, which was the Phil Maffetone test around basically trying to recalibrate your system and um, you know, remove sugars and carbohydrates to see if you would have a carbohydrate um, intolerance. So uh I'm well aware that uh, I I do, and my my reason for doing this was really just to kick the sugar habit, Um, and as I'd mentioned, I'd put on four kilos after the marathon because I did nothing but sit around and eat a lot of food, which was fabulous. So I've been – I, I haven't been one hundred percent diligent, and um, there haven't been massive things that I haven't done right. So one was actually had a mango, uh, and you're not meant to have fruit in this in this two weeks. But I was, oh my gosh, I was dying. <laughs> I was really, really struggling and it's mango season and they're so delicious. So I did have a mango and I've actually just a couple of mornings, I've had a piece of gluten-free toast with um, with my eggs. I was just, I was really, really struggling. I've been starving. So, uh, which, you know, we had a quick discussion before we started recording and you're like. Oh meant to be hungry through it, and um, that's actually one of the points that uh, is on the website around the test is that the point of this is you should never actually be hungry.
0: Yes, that's right. So- uh,
1: but um, I've I've just got a couple of challenges, and maybe they're excuses as well, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm struggling to prepare enough snacks being, you know, back at work sort of full-time and having to have um, pretty much worked longer than full-time hours this last week. And I just really haven't had the time with you know the kids and all the rest of it to prepare those adequate in between snacks. Um, and for me, that's the biggest challenge. So because I've been so determined, you know, to get off the sugar, um, I haven't been snacking a lot. So you know, I guess I haven't probably been eating enough because the food that you are taking in, I guess, is so clean. And you know, my body—I've got a pretty high metabolism anyway, so it just digests digest it so quickly. So, you know, I'm waking up in the morning and I am absolutely starving. So, uh, and then it, it, you know, my my biggest challenge is nighttime as well. And uh, you had sent me a, a text to say have you know have some cheese, which you're allowed to have certain types of cheese on um, on this program, and that has been my biggest savior. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, a bit of cheese and yep. get some other healthy fats, healthy fats into you. That'll fill you yep. up.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I'm on day nine. Actually, sorry, I've done nine days. Today's day 10, so I've only got four days to go, and I have lost 2.2 uh, 2 kilos. So this is not a long-term exercise. There is absolutely no way you could do this um, over a long period of time, and I was saying to you before, there is no way I could do this if I was exercising. I just, I honestly wouldn't cope. So, um, you know, I'm really enjoying it though. Like, I already feel better in myself from you know just just my body and and, and my diet. And I, I've been doing a little bit of gym, just sort of thirty minutes here and there, so nothing excessive. Um, but I'm pretty confident that I'll you know, there's a good chance I'll probably lose another kilo over the next couple of days before I finish. And then, then I'll start the running. Um, but I'll introduce like my gluten-free carbohydrates that I normally have back in. So I've actually got some energy there to burn when I start running. So um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm feeling really good. Uh, and as I said, I would not recommend this if, if you're in the middle of training and there is absolutely no way I could have done this during marathon
0: training. No um it's definitely not something to fool around with when you're when you're in full training um oh. or, or even if you've you know even really busy and stressed and with other things in your life yeah it, yeah it's just such a major shock to the system um mm. particularly if you've been quite um uh i don't know kind of carb heavy in your in your diet um so yeah if you're a real pastor and bread fiend and you just automatically go to zero and that it is quite a shock to the system so um yeah it's interesting some people do do it and then like persist with that so Mm. i don't know we haven't really spoken about it much but been listening to people who have adopted that ketogenic diet where they're like restrict restricting their carbohydrates down to some really low amount like i think it's like 40 grams a day like i just think wow it's the amount of discipline that you would have to have to do that um and how organized you would need to be would Probably makes it something that I could never, never manage to do.
1: Oh, yeah. I definitely could not do it, especially with two really young kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it would just be really quite difficult. But as I mentioned before, I've always had a very high metabolism, so I I just don't think it would suit my body um, from a long term perspective, unless you know I wanted to end up with terrible running performances and constantly feeling exhausted, which is was completely not the point of doing this two week test. So, and I want to reiterate that, that this test wasn't for me to, to lose weight. I mean, that's just a byproduct of not eating a buffet breakfast and three course meals every day. Um, it was really just to get off the sugar because it had honestly had escalated out of control. So, you know, I was eating one family block size of chocolate, per day for dessert and then during the day I'd have two muffins and then for morning tea I'd have like a caramel slice or something so it was out of control and you know I kept on saying to myself I'm doing marathon training or you know or, or I'm doing a 30k run tomorrow so it doesn't matter if I have this block of chocolate or oh two days ago I did this run so you know I we've all got those biases and those bad habits so that was that is mine and it sort of got out of control but once I've got it under control um, I don't actually crave those um, synthetic sugars Mm
0: -hmm. I'm
1: actually quite happy to have a you know a piece of fruit or um, I really like smoothie bowls or even like chia puddings and that then becomes sweet enough for me Um, so that's that was really the main focus and the main goal and look I don't know about you I find these types of things really easy to do in summer. Mm. (laughs) This, again, could be just an excuse, but, you know, it's sunny and it's warm and and you're drawn to things like smoothies and juices and um, salad, salad (laughs) exactly. So I I find it a really easy thing to do in summer. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling really good and I've, you know, just done a few sort of things in the gym and I'm I'm actually really enjoying that as well just starting to feel strong again um and I'm not even remotely close to wanting to run yet so <laughs>
0: You're remotely uh, close to making your plan.
1: Oh, I do. So, I've got a skeleton. I have written out a skeleton and I've had a spanner thrown in the works. I actually hadn't told you this yet. I'll tell you now. Um, we had thrown our hat in the ring to do the New York half marathon. All oh, right. Uh, and it was really driven from my husband. He, he loves New York and now he's got this long-distance bug because, you know, he did an amazing marathon yeah. and I actually think he's quite suited to the longer stuff. But anyway... Um, and so he said, oh, look, I'd, I'd like to go back. And it's in March. I think it's at the end of March. Yes. And we had actually gone over to do it uh, two years ago. I think I've mentioned this before. I pulled my car off in the first 100 metres. So <laughs> I've never finished. I've started. Um, and I sort of said, oh, yeah, look, well, I'm, I'm one way or the other. I don't, mm. I don't really care. So I ended up getting in and he didn't.
0: <laughs> oh, So
1: um, I'm not really sure what we're going to do yet. Uh, We we need to sit down and plan that. Like you can still get an entry through a travel agent and all the rest of it. It's nowhere near as expensive as the New York Marathon. Um, But it's just deciding because my intention was to do the Canberra Half Marathon, which is about two weeks later. Um, So now it's just a decision on, you know, whether or not we want to travel that far and all the rest of it. So. Uh, so, that's sort of in the maybe bucket.
0: Um, You've ruined our theme of 5K training if you do that. Uh, you be really like half marathon training.
1: Well, so no, not really. Um, and this is where my sort of skeleton has is, is come into it. So, my, I'll just talk about my high-level plan that has not been bedded down, which is um, I'm going to see my amazing physio next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, because one of the byproducts of this marathon is um, I'm just I'm feeling really stiff and feeling a bit I'm going to use the word weird or funny just around like my pelvis and my pelvic floor and uh, I've got some sort of tight adductors and. I've jogged to the gym a couple of times, which is seven hundred meters up the road and it's just it just hasn't felt right. Um, so something's not quite there. There's something going on with my hips and my pelvis um, and that I really need to get that sorted before I delve into any type of training. So um, I'll see her on Wednesday and then I'm just going to spend the sort of this three weeks. Before Christmas, actually doing walk jogging uh, and continuing the gym, but part of my walk jogging is to include quite a lot of hills to walk up again. Um, I really enjoy hills, and you know, and like you, I find that even just walking up them, you are forced into a good movement pattern because otherwise, getting up that hill is damn hard work if yep. you if you're not moving properly. So, um, walk jogging, and then I will start a really hard week hard five week block uh that last week of december i've got some time off again um and and try and be ready for the 5k state champs on the 2nd of february Mm. and uh i think i'd said to you in a text message my plan goes to there and then there's just this great big hole of i don't actually know what i want to do (laughs) um and then you know further on down there's the marathon block which i think i'll start mid april heading into gold coast but I've, I've got probably about 10 weeks of – I'm really not sure how that's going to look – um, and now with this maybe half marathon thrown in it, it's even more up in the air so um, hence why I'm I'm living like you at the moment. I'm very unplanned yeah. and unstructured.
0: <laughs> I predict that won't last for very much longer.
1: <laughs> no, no, it really don't. it really won't so um, yeah, so I'm not really sure. I still I haven't got my head in the game yet, you know I, I don't know I mean you've you, you ended up taking what six weeks off didn't you?
0: Um, about five and a half or yeah. yeah thereabouts. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I look, just I'm haven't... not doing much now. I'm just walk, walk running <laughs> a few days a week. So, but yeah, yeah, it's a nice gentle way to get back into it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just I haven't got my head in the game, honestly. To just get back into that um, strict routine, if I'm perfectly honest, uh, I've been really enjoying it at the moment. Like Wednesday night, we went to um, the pub after work and and had a steak. That was really nice, and just I guess doing things that normal people do that aren't uh, stuck to a strict yeah. training regime that work full-time. So um, it's a busy time of year too, you know, Christmas parties and oh, kids have got things on and all the rest of it. So um, I don't think I'm quite ready to get back into that strict mm-hmm. training regime and routine yet. Um, I think I said last week that that – Part of you know. Whilst I love that part of the marathon of being so strict and regimented, um, it, it took a long, took a lot out of me just for lifestyle and how much you need to organise everything. So,
0: I really um, think uh, that's that's good for you to be unstructured for a bit longer because, as you say, you you just need a mental break from that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And look, I am the type of person. I am a bit of an all or nothing. Um, so for me to sort of. Force myself back into training where I'm not really into it, it's actually going to do more harm than good. So I'm better to continue to be a couch potato until I turn into the right, let's do this mode. Um, mm-hmm. And then it'll flip back into being over organized and, you know, routine and all of the, all of the rest of it. So, um, yeah, I'm just chilling out, I'm eating healthy, I'm getting lean. Life's good.
0: Very good. Well, um, I reckon we must be. Getting close to a wrap. Um, I think I've already spoken about what I'm doing next week. I'm getting more technique assessment. Yeah, and, you're coming to visit me. my strength program. <laughs> um, what, what about you? Are you just going to be more unstructuredness?
1: Uh, more unstructuredness. I'm actually going to attempt to run next week um, and have been inspired by you talking about barefoot, how you got Kira to take off her shoes and run barefoot on the um, on the oval. Uh, I actually probably omitted I, I did do two laps of the oval yesterday barefoot and it felt amazing. Like it was only about 800 metres mm. but um, – Oh, gosh, it, it honestly just feels good. So I think I'm going to do a little bit of barefoot running just to get those movement patterns, just like starting back again. Um, and, yes, yeah, see my amazing physio, catch up with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot, bit of unstructured
0: that's <laughs> life. A, that's good. I actually just remember when you were talking about the the barefoot running on grass, Like I, I, I like doing that. But when I was first playing around with this stuff, Um, even if I went and ran on a grass oval barefoot, I could, um, sometimes I could really stir up, um, my short sort of shin soreness issues and and that kind of thing. And, you know, if you, if you haven't ever done it before, even going and jogging around the oval barefoot on grass could actually overload you. So if you're not moving that well, or you've never done it before and, you know, you decide at the age of you know, about my age and your mid-40s that you're going to become a barefoot runner. You've got to be really careful because you will introduce some um, loads onto your lower limbs, in particular calves and feet. that you haven't experienced before, and even if you're on the grass and you approach that too aggressively, uh, there is a, a risk of getting injured there. So,
1: Yeah, well, actually, that's exactly why I only did two laps because yes. you, you might remember me saying that the actual, well, there's a 2K grass circuit you can do, which is amazing. Mm. And my husband said, oh, do you want to do the full lap? And I was like, there mm. is no way I am running 2Ks barefoot. Um, this is the first time we've run barefoot for Yeah. Uh, years yeah. so um it's definitely a gradual thing but look i love barefoot because it uh it forces me straight up onto my toes so i mm. i feel very much at home up there <laughs> Mm. but uh, yeah it will be a very gradual thing um i think you and i did it a few years ago and i i loved it like we used to we used to you know we'd do a half an hour or 40 minute run but the last five minutes it would start off be being barefoot and then mm. you know next time seven minutes and then eight minutes ten minutes um you know i think we ended up doing sessions barefoot but it took us yeah. quite a while
0: yep yeah i think we did um yes so yeah there's it's look it's definitely something to consider um but yeah it's it's a bit like the running technique changes It's proceed with a lot, a lot of caution um mm. and obviously you've got to have the right environment for it because if you're running on surfaces that are not that friendly <laughs> to you to your feet um you, you know you're stepping on things that might cut you or that kind of thing um or if you're not moving that well and you're you get onto really hard surfaces that can also be um, potentially detrimental. But, but yeah, just, you know, take your shoes off. And particularly in the summer in Australia now, it's nice to go and walk around on the grass and have a little jog. So, um, by all means, play around with it. Mm. Sounds good. Well, um, we might wrap it here. I think what I'm going to do is edit up some of um, Kevin's feedback to me um, as an appendix to this episode so um, yeah, perfect. Um, if you keep listening after we sign off here you'll see a bit of kevin giving me some feedback on my uh, my lurch arms and some other issues with my my running technique uh, you have no, been good. yeah so you have been listening to the running technique tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. we'll be back with you next week